All right, welcome, welcome, everyone. <clears throat> uh, it feels weird talking about finances when we just had that prayer. Um, you know, I think, um, but I, I think it's appropriate. You know, I think as we think about us as a church, you know, what's the purpose of, of finances as a church? You know, what does that look like to extend what God has given us to really serve the community? I think that's something that part of this <clears throat> outcome that when we talk about in the series, ordering your fi- putting your life in order and ordering your finances, I think many times it's, it's really about what does that look like to be generous, to be loving, to actually be a neighbor. And, <clears throat> and it's not just to um, give finances. I actually think, you know, being with Jenny for so long and working, hearing about refugees and immigrants, I think sometimes it's the easiest to just give finances and not actually be involved in people's lives. You know, and just have that be a check mark. But really, what <clears throat> marks this is not to, to give, but rather our whole lives being involved in, in see and encounter and, and knowing that. And so hopefully today as we talk about this, it's just one of the steps, and if, if anything, the first step, as we think about what does it look like to engage communities, engage <clears throat> and be generous, and especially being in, in Baltimore, and what would that look like? And I think... Um, I wanted to start off, you know, as we had the series, Putting Your Life in Order, it was during my sabbatical that the preaching team has come up with this, and as we were talking about it, when I came back, you know, I realized, uh, you know, the one that I picked was the, the put, ordering your finances, and, you know, if you know me, I love uh, to, you know, work with numbers. For some reason, Jenny makes fun of me, my wife, of when I write, you know, it just, it's how I talk, but when I look at spreadsheets, they just come alive to me. Do you know? Like I can look at numbers, I can understand them. Somehow I just, I, I, I like them. And even yesterday in the middle of the day, I was talking to one of her coworkers that is teaching me about the UN taxes. And so I'm learning and we're talking about taxes. So numbers to me is something that I really enjoy. However, I realize this is not a seminar on finances. You know, this is, you know, really a message. And so, you know, I am not here to, to really speak on how you manage your finances. That's really not my part. But what I realized over the years is hopefully that this message would just speak on some principles on, on money in general. And I think that hopefully that has helped me greatly and has been one of the foundations as kind of <clears throat> that had to be changed as I became a Christian. And I say that because I think growing up, as I was growing up, you know, I, I think about it, and I have to be careful in saying this, because I realize I've always had enough. There's always food on the table, clothes to wear. I, I, I had my mom with me that stayed at home, that watched over me. But many times, there was a lot of times where I remember growing up wanting, you know, wanting, and it was, um, you know, whether it was a toy that I could not buy, or even, and even thinking about my kids now, what a vast difference you know, that I have to, like, try to step back sometimes, you know, thinking <clears throat> there are times where I wanted to, I remember the time where I wanted to be in, <clears throat> join in on the Boy Scouts when I was young, and knowing that, oh, we can't do it because it's expensive, you know, and just thinking through that growing up back then and seeing my kids now, right, and I realized more and more <clears throat> that was kind of my, our mentality. My parents have always taught me to, hey, save they grilled me on saving. They, they told me to, <clears throat> to um, know that I don't have a lot, and I always have to, you know, make sure that money is one of those securities that they kind of ingrained in me. And, you know, and I, <clears throat> as much as I really appreciate that, and I, I really do, because there's much to be said about working hard, about saving, about providing, about even <clears throat> what they've blessed me with in inheritance— but I think one of the things that I grew up with is just my family, especially my dad, you know, really thinking about finances as one of the most important things for him. And I remember dreading every time talking to him <clears throat> after college of just like the, one of the first things he would ask is, hey, how much are you making? And I'm like, wait, why is that so important? But that was important to him. And I, I get it because I never had to pay for my all my own college or not be able to have opportunities to, to study or, or be able to have food on the table, things that he had to work on himself. 
But at the same time, I realized because of that foundation, the good and the bad, I realized too that the biggest arguments with Jenny also has been on finances. And I think this is a message for me as I've been thinking more and more of just what are some principles that we could think about money and not a seminar on how to order it because that's actually what I would think this is about, but rather what are some principles about finances, about money that could perhaps allow us to live in freedom, right? And so I was thinking and praying about it, and I wanted us to go through Matthew 25. And um, it captures uh, three principles for me, and we'll read it, uh, Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30. Um, But it's a parable that Jesus was giving uh, to the people around, and he says this in this parable. We'll kind of continue on. He says, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. Excuse me. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had... The two talents came forward, saying, Master, you have delivered me to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. <clears throat> Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew what I reap, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents, for to everyone who has will be given more, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right? The story of the parables uh, is one that Jesus gives about three servants. And I think what I want to do is is talk about three things in this parable that, that stood out to me and has been kind of guiding me. And when we talk about finances, the first is this idea of stewardship, <clears throat> and we'll look at that. The second is Jesus, or the response of the master, well done, good and faithful servant. And the last is being faithful with little, you be faithful with much. These three principles. The first one, <clears throat> the stewardship. You know, what's interesting is that as the master has given these servants these different talents, and you know... The talent is some, a weight of certain money, and it's equivalent to, I would say, about, from what the authors or scholars have said, <clears throat> about 300,000, right? About 20 years worth of wages for a laborer. So it's about $300,000. So it's not like a little amount if you take in inflation of what we currently understand. But what we see in the first thing <clears throat> that I want to make sure we stand out is this that each one of these servants, when they took those talents, they understood that it was not theirs. They understood that it's not <clears throat> theirs, that they earned it, they, they, they deserved it, that this was their master's money, the master's talents, right? And I think the first thing to mention is this idea of stewardship. Because oftentimes, I think what, what perhaps is hard, and I would speak all in the first person because what's is this idea that I've earned it, I deserve it, I worked hard for this, right? And it's, it feels like, it can feel like it's mine to keep. 
that I could do whatever I want with it. But I think what we see as a principle here that could really help us is this idea of stewardship, of realizing, wait, that is not mine. In Psalm 24, King David, he says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That we are stewards of all things, not just our, our personal resources, but the world, the creation. And it's not ours. I think every time it's easy to think, well, it doesn't matter. I'll just throw out my trash anywhere I want. You know, just kind of leave things as is. Doesn't, doesn't really bother anyone else. But this idea of stewardship changes our mentality. That we're taking care of of not our own finances, that's not just something that we've earned and is ultimately ours, but rather, this is God's, right? That we can't take anything with us as we die. I think this important point really stood out towards the end of my dad's life, you know, as, as he, you know, I gave that kind of background of how I've been kind of formed and spoken about in finances, but one thing that I was so surprised at the end of his life was just how he didn't care about those at all, right? When he had cancer and he was dying, it, he didn't care about any of those finances quite at all, pretty much. And he was just kind of like, hey, you guys do what you want to do with it. And I realized this is, is really spoken through even in First Timothy, right? <clears throat> is that what has contributed to just what his security, his life has also I think, affected our relationship and even how I think about my life, right? But in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 10, you know, he speaks, Paul speaks about this in great ways. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. I mean, just even that, I mean, I I think there's so much of just even as I take a step back of just being thankful of realizing God's providing, realizing that, hey, there's nothing I would take as I leave this world. What is all the security really am I trying to build up what my parents have been asking me or guiding me to do? is those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many grief. They realize I, we don't, I, I don't usually talk about money. I, I used to enjoy talking about it at Stepping Stone, especially as a volunteer staff, because you know that there's no conflict of interest. I could just say what I want of what scripture, and I still will try to do that, do you know? <clears throat> but I, I, I think that this was a principle for me of just stewardship of asking, what am I doing? What am I saving for? Is this love of money, is it producing <clears throat> a root in the different evils, my own sins, my own desires? What is it about and I realized more and more, especially when I mentioned for my dad, is as he passed away, none of that mattered anymore. And that has, has helped me also see and understand that, man, it's okay. You know, and even as, he, as we got, got older, that was one thing that he stopped really caring as much about. That he saw that there was contentment, that there was joy and there was happiness, that there was family and the things that we value are still the same, even with little or with much. But I think what I want to mention about stewardship with this is how is that stewardship for you? And is that something that you want to think about? Is there a love of money that produces, that is a root in your life of certain um, harmful behaviors? You know, what's interesting is that God doesn't give us more than what we can handle, right? And in those ways, even where we are financially, he says this in in this parable that I thought was very interesting, is that he gave to each person according to his ability. Imagine if, you know, if you have all the ability and all the 
ability to make money, but you have no capital to work with. It's hard to do that. Likewise, it might be overwhelming if you have a lot of finances. And I think sometimes it's clearly shown statistically in lottery winners that they go bankrupt majority of the people. When you have a lot of resources, but no ability to actually realize, spend well to steward that, that it is hard. And it is many times produces much grieving for the winner. But that God gives them these talents according to their ability. And I think what we want, I want us to think about in our stewardship is what does that look like for you? How have you steward the gifts, the talents, the resources that God has given you, even the time? Right? So the first thought is understanding that finances, our money, is not just ours. It's a stewarding opportunity and what that looks like. The second one <clears throat> that I want us to, to think about today, a principle, is the response of the master. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. And what's interesting here is that for the, for the person that received the five talent and the two talent, it says they went at once and traded them. And so also he with the two. They worked hard. There's nothing against working hard, maximizing, and doing what they could to <clears throat> make more. But what's interesting to me is that when he comments on the last servant, he says he's lazy. I think there's a contrast when we think about well done, good, and faithful, being commended, is how have you steward, how have you responded to the things that God's given? Right? Is it something that we are responding in, in working hard and in, in doing well and providing and being generous with others, whatever that might mean? But at, at once they went and they worked. Right? I want you guys to notice <clears throat> is that when, Jesus, when this master responds in this parable, is that whether the person with five talents that brought five more versus the guy with two talents that brought two more, the response was the same. And there's a principle to be had here of just the way that it was not about how much you brought back, how much the servants brought back, but rather that they, they worked hard, that they produced with, according to their ability, and they provided, gave back to their master. And that, the response of the master is the same. You know, so it's, I think there's so much is that he says, well done, good and faithful servant. There's so much to be said about not thinking so much about how much have I done for God or how much do I give or it's not about that at all. But rather a reflection of how God has given you and a stewardship of that, would he respond to you? Would you approach him and him, imagine him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you and I, we, we know what we do with our finances, our resources, our time, whatever it may be. It doesn't have to just be on money. But what's also interesting here as a response is also perhaps what's silence too sometimes. Is that you don't see and you don't, you don't, I think in our human flesh, you don't see the, the two talent person going, hey, I wish I had five. You know, I, I wish it was this person, I had 10. And I think it's so common that we could compare what we actually do. You know, what, what is said here is that whether they gave 10 or four, it was more about the heart and what they've done rather than the amount. And I think sometimes that is something that we really have to be careful. It is not the amount or to compare or to see, you know, why is this person able to do X, Y, Z and I'm not? Or likewise, the flip way. I'm able to do this. Why can't they do that? The response of the master is the same. Showing that to me, much more about the heart of the matter is going to be just as important. As it continues, you know, the response of the, of the master, the third, <clears throat> the third person, the servant that received only one talent, what you see is very interesting with him too, All right? He says, and he's very specific, I knew you would be a hard man. He knew how his master would be, 
reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So it's, another, it's one thing to not know. It's another thing to know what a person will respond and what they're, what's important and what you're supposed to do and not do it at all. Right? Choosing not to do it versus not knowing what you're doing. Right? What we mentioned about laziness, and this is how he's responded, you wicked and slothful servant. Laziness versus being diligent, working hard. Right? He knew what the master wanted. But what's, <clears throat> what his response was, knowing that information, was that he was afraid. He was afraid that he would lose it. He was afraid that he may not make it. Right? And in his fear, he went and hid the talent in the ground. Right? He knew what the master, in his fear, he hid the talent in the ground. And this is, you know, I, I think one thing I've, <clears throat> I was thinking about a long time ago in the quiet time as I was reading this is what do you think the master would have said if he said, if he worked all that he could with that one talent and he lost it? He did all that he could. He tried his best. He tried to, he tried to make more. He did what he could with his abilities. Perhaps he made some bad investments. I don't know what, whether he lost all of it or lost a little bit of it but that he knew that he did all that he could. You, I, I don't know, you know, translating this to just the heart of God, I just don't know if that would be the same, that it would be you wicked and slothful. I think in his fear, he chose not to do anything at all. Knowing what he knew, he chose not to do anything at all. And I would say that that is wasted talent. Knowing that God has given us certain gifts and talents, resources, and not using it for his glory, I think it's a wasted talent. And especially if it's out of fear of, hey, I won't produce, I'm not good enough. That that is not the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is as we work with him, as we do our best to our ability, that we would be well done thy good and faithful servant. I think uh, uh, one thing I want to bring up as we talk about the response of the master and how he says it, I think this principle has really helped me of thinking, you know, it's okay to go all out and, and to even make mistakes and lose on what I could be doing or if I know that I was trying my best to give it to all to God. Right? That I don't have to be afraid of failure of doing what I believe is right or good, right? I know that I can try and that it'll be okay. That I don't want to waste the talents that God's given me. And in doing so, I think about this and how do I practically approach it sometimes is this. I love this concept for myself. <clears throat> in Deuteronomy 26 and in many places in scripture, I'm just reading this one verse, uh, two verses to you, and it's about Exodus, the people, God rescuing people from slavery, bringing them into a promised land, and in doing so, before they entered, he says this to the people, when you have entered the land, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you have taken possession of it and settled in it. Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God has given you, and put them in a basket. Then go to a place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. That there was an idea of this first fruit offering, right? Giving God our best. Right? You see this throughout scripture with even, you know, hints of it with Cain and Abel. You know, Abel giving his first fruit, but Cain providing <clears throat> uh, just one of his uh, sacrifice that he wanted to do. But I think that there is something important here about preparing our hearts and giving something that we desire to give and not a leftover. You know, I, I know that right now we're talking about finances in this way, but I do wonder, and I, I speak to the students here, and I remember talking to alum. You know, I was talking to one of the alums back a long time ago um, when I was a volunteer staff, and he said to me, Phil, do you want to, you know, I've always given to Stepping Stone, and that was when I was raising funds for Stepping Stone. He's like, I've always given it, you know, but many times I just go to service 
and I just open my wallet, whatever I have, I kind of throw in there. And we used to do an offering basket. And he's like, you know, if I have $1, $5, 10, I'll just, whatever I want, I'll just throw in there, right? But I was, I was speaking to him, and I was like, no, 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 I don't think that that's what, as a principle, I would like us to do. You know, I said, <clears throat> it's not about just giving God whatever you have on the leftovers or whatever you're not thinking about. But more importantly, the heart of it is what do you want to give to God yourself? Preparing your heart to give where you want to give. That this idea of first fruits is preparing what you have the best, the first crop, the things that you have, and trusting God with it. Rather than, okay, now I have this much left, I'm going to do this. Right? I think there is such a concept of <clears throat> a principle for me that I've lived off of. Of what does that look like to give God my best? And this, for me, has helped me address like, this idea of wasted talent. What would it look like to give my best to God? You know, I, <clears throat> I know many of my stories attached to my father, and I apologize if you hear it over and over, but because they mean a lot to me. You know, I think I remember my dad saying to me, you know, saying to my advisor at that time, you know, after all these years of grad studies that I've spent in the lab, he says, don't you think it's a waste that he's just going to be a pastor? And I remember my advisor responded back and kind of took my, my dad in, in kind of a shock. And I hope it's still true that, that I can live out to this. But he says, not just a pastor, but a good pastor. I realized so much of what my dad, my grandmother has said to me is like, what a waste. You're, you could be doing so much. You could be teaching. You could be doing this. You could give God so much more if you make so much. But I think what has helped me guide and take steps of faith, and this is not that everyone needs to be into vocational ministry, no. But what has helped me was asking God, what would, I, what would it look like to give my first fruits to you? To give my best, to know that I'm following and trying my best to follow you. Right? In Malachi, I think this, is, this speaks of God's, <clears throat> of the Israelites robbing God and not giving them, giving God his, you know, what is due to God. But I think this is something that I remember hearing and thinking about. In Malachi 3, I think this is, a, is that when you give God your best, and in, <clears throat> I'm not saying you do this for this return, but that he says this in Malachi 3 to the Israelites, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be, there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. That we cannot outgive God. Giving our first fruits it's not something that, you know, we feel like, oh, it's a loss. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to recuperate. I'm, I don't know what to do. But rather, we can never outgive God. That he knows what we need in much <clears throat> Matthew 6. He knows all the things that we need. That he will give us more than enough. Hear me right on this. It's not that we give so that he, we, he, we be blessed. But that God, who he is, that when we can trust in him that provides all that we need and abundantly more. How would God respond, in your opinion, as you approach God, as you reflect in your resources, how do you think he will respond in your actions and your thoughts? I want to strive for us to respond, well done, good and faithful servant, to hear those words. <clears throat> Lastly, as we talk about ordering our finances in this last principle, faithful with little is faithful with much. He's given. You know, one of the response, not only is it well done, good and faithful, the master says to him, you have been faithful over little, I will set you over much. He says it with both of these servants. And I, I think this is something 
that it was, has been one amazing thing for me, right? I grew up, like I said, not a Christian and in a Christian household, and to be generous was something that we were always feeling like, at least I was. My, my mom was generous. I think I was just feeling I was lacking, right? And so always it's all about saving, about making sure I have enough. But this transformed my life of just thinking about faithful with little and now faithful with much. You know, I remember in college, you know, this was a, a tough thing, coming to Christ in college and just thinking, oh man, what does that look like to give? You know, I never had to do that much, or even, like I said, I just gave my leftovers, um, <clears throat> and I just, you know, whatever, my, if I felt guilty, I would just throw a little more. It was all based on a guilt or just duty versus preparing and giving the first fruit. And one of the hardest things that I w- was wrestling with was when I had my first job right? When I had my first job working in an engineering firm, it was a, it was a, um, an internship, and they paid just as much as they would as a full-time person, and I remember getting that first paycheck and think, thinking, oh man, I'm ready to go snowboarding. You know, like I was thinking, I'm going to get all my stuff. This is all what I wanted to do. I worked hard for this. Do you know, and now I'm, I'm thinking through all, at, at the whole thing of just like, oh man, I've, you know, I need to save X. I need to do this. But it, it really started, you know, for me to even be able to give the, that, that paycheck or even as it continued on that whole 10 weeks of, a, you know, of, of offering as I wanted to, was that it started with my college roommate, you know. And it was a time when both of us, we were in, we were in school, and I remember Pastor Roger, the founding pastor, he sat us all down as, as students and as you know, alums or people that were there, and he says, hey, we're going to close in three weeks if we don't do this, if we don't have this much, and I remember it was like, what, you know, like, and I'm a college student, I'm like, I don't have anything, you know, like, and it's like, it's going to close in three or six weeks, I forget what detail, Christy might know, but, um, but we're going to close if we don't have raised this much, and I remember thinking, okay, well, what am I going to do, um, but my, my college roommate, I remember hearing that he was like, he found a part-time job, and then in doing so, he then, he was, I remember we were talking, he's like, oh, I'm going to find a job so that I can give, right, and, and that challenged me, that challenged me to think about giving in, in different ways, and even thinking, wait, I have a work-study job right now that I can do, that I have been doing, like, why am I just giving my leftovers, and that started this trajectory of wanting and desiring, okay, I'm going to prepare my offer I'm going to prepare to give. And imagine this for someone like myself, a student. Imagine on a Sunday when I come in and, you know, it's not like I have a lot of money, but if I did, you know, a couple dollars, I, I'd throw in the offering basket. Imagine giving $10 at that time. Or even as a student back then, giving $100. That's impossible. I would never have that, even that much cash in my wallet. But, you know, preparing that and giving that change in the ways that when I started working, what would that look like? And I'm sharing all this, and please hear me, I'm not trying to be proud or be, have people feel guilty, but this lesson I've learned being faithful with little, that we can be faithful with much, is that when, you, when I started making, let's say, 10000 and I wanted to give 1000 what would that look like? When you start making thirty. 50, you know, how would that look like? And over span of years that you can buy a car, you can buy a house, or for some that were blessed that, <clears throat> that make 100, 200, imagine why would we consider giving 10, 20,000 a year when you can buy a car literally if it's hard, if it doesn't start from the beginning of being faithful with the little that we have. I think this is something, for, especially for college students, so important, is that if it's hard to practice a heart, a generosity, a heart prepared to offer whatever you want to offer, it will be hard in the future to do that. And at some point, that is something that we will all wrestle with. But this principle that when we are faithful with little, that we'll be faithful with much, has helped tremendously 
in how I think about my finances, think about my life, and think about what I do. I think this is what I want to end with as we kind of talk with this, talk about ordering your finances. There are these three principles. What would it look like when we think about stewardship rather than ownership? Right? When it's something that you would give back to God, when you know it's not yours, this life is not yours. For those who believe in Christ, what would it look like to be a steward of God's finances, of God's gifts? What would it look like in your life now as we later on spend time in reflection? What would it look like if you were to imagine how would God respond to how you're living your life currently? Whether it's your time, your resources, your finances. And I, I, I know for people that are working, this might be easier, but for the students, I'm going to give very specifics of like, I remember someone saying to me, what does it look like to, because the, the response is, well, I'm a student, I have no money. All my money is from my parents or my resources. You know, one thing that I was challenged before is, what does it look like to, to save and to tithe your spending, right? Isn't it, it doesn't seem sometimes hard to buy certain things, but what does it look like to tithe an offering or to give to God? And you don't even have to give to this church. You give to any other, anywhere, uh, if, if, you, if you feel guilty, give to other places, not to this church, right? But the principle is going to be there. How will God respond? And lastly, when you're faithful with little, God gives faithful to much, right? It is hard to imagine to be faithful with much when, it's, when we have a hard time to be faithful with a little. <clears throat> I think we're going to spend... In, you know, a time in communion, right? If you guys are able to have um, <clears throat> the communion cups or elements, uh, <clears throat> you know, we're not going to have worship per se the way that we used to, or we usually in the switch up. But as we take communion, it is a reminder, a reminder that Christ has given us a new life, right? That his body broken for us, Right? His blood gave us a new covenant. And as we <clears throat> take a second to prepare ourselves, what is that? As we take this communion, a reminder that Christ has given you a new life. For those who, who have not professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know, and you have questions, please speak to, to me. I think it, it's so much more than when we talk about finances, about this new life, this relationship that we were separated from God, that he has given us an opportunity to be connected and to have this relationship with him. And in doing so, we celebrate that today. So if you have the elements ready, um, please uh, take it, you know, <clears throat> and I'll pray for us. Jesus says this as we take the <clears throat> element this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me the same way he said this is the cup this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me this new life that he has given us. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you that we could celebrate, Lord, as in this remembrance of this life that you have given us, this gift that is not our own to have, but rather a life that you paid and bought. That, Lord, that we thank you, Lord, that we would live in such ways that would give you glory and praise, Lord. Help us to do that, Lord. Thank you that you have given us a way through your Son and in his Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Lastly, as we end in reflection and prayer, I just have these two questions just for you to pray about. And if you feel comfortable in praying with someone, I highly encourage it. I think much of what we saw in the word cloud is a thankfulness of community, of family, of friends. And in, I, I hope that this will be an extension of that and being able to pray and reflect with one another with people you may not know well and be able to share some of these things and keep each other accountable, encourage each other. And those two questions would be, <clears throat> what would giving your first fruits look like? And in a small step of faithfulness, what can it be for you this week, this summer? What would that be? We have music in the background, but please encourage you guys to have a moment of reflection if you feel comfortable. To pray with someone, highly encourage it. I think that's something big in, in <clears throat> what I believe and value, just being able to pray with someone else. So we'll take this time and then we'll close in prayer in a, a few minutes. Okay, five minutes or so.
Let's, let's pray as we close. Lord, thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you that we're not alone in this journey, that we have people around us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that, that those would not just be words, but, Lord, realities lived out and seen and practiced, Lord. That we would see your goodness and your grace, Lord. That we would be your hands and feet, Lord, to be loving well and generous and blessing others around us, Lord. Lord, let those not just be words to speak, but, Lord, lives to live. Lord, we thank you that you've given us new life and in this way empowered and enabled us to do so, Lord. And we're reminded, Lord, that you are a good father, Lord. That every wonderful and beautiful gift that you've given us, may we give back to you. May it be glorious and beautiful and honoring to you, Lord. We thank you and we love you, Lord. And in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> For the benediction, I just want to read uh, Matthew 6. And just his words giving us peace as we seek this new week. 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own.